Are you curious just how to get Wi-Fi on the road? In this episode of the Wayward Home Podcast, I chat with the RV Mobile Internet Resource Center to get the DL on everything Wi-Fi, data, and internet. Let's go! Welcome to the Wayward Home Podcast, all about van life, boat life, and nomadic living. We'll bring you tips, interviews, and stories from the road and on the water. Now, here's your host, Kristen Haynes. Hey there, I'm Kristen with The Wayward Home, and today we're talking about how to get internet on the road, and I have the best people to talk about this here, Cherie and Chris with Mobile Internet Resource Center and Technomadia. But before we get started with that interview, I just wanted to say that this episode originally appeared on the Van Life Virtual Summit that I threw with Project Van Life in February of 2023. And it's not too late to grab an all-access pass to that summit, which was a raving success. You can watch a variety of videos on all aspects of van life. I'll put a link down in the show notes if you're interested, or you can just go to thewaywardhome.com forward slash summit to grab your pass. So thanks so much for joining you you guys. I'm really happy you're here. Tell us a little bit first about your, your living setup. I know you have a couple of tiny homes. <laughs> well, hi there. Thanks for having us on again. Uh, so we have been full-time nomads since 2006. That's a long time. Ago. Going on yeah. 17 years yeah. now uh, and working remotely the entire time and dependent on mobile internet. I was a software developer when I met Chris. And, and I was a Silicon Valley mobile internet geek. So it was um, traveling solo in a tiny, tiny little travel trailer way back then. Met Cherie and we combined everything and it just all clicked. And So we've had multiple mobile substrates over the years. Everything from a tiny travel trailer, uh, medium-sized travel trailer, <laughs> to a vintage bus. Um, Which we still have. We still have the vintage bus. We are currently on a boat. We're uh, currently anchored and floating in the middle of a lake in Florida. And we also do have a van. We have a Travado that we we travel with. Um, we keep the bus on the West Coast. We usually cruise in the boat on the East Coast, and we use a van to get between the two. Yep. Last year, we did like three and a half months in the van, um, all the way up to Canada and all around, and absolutely love van life. Very cool. And you guys created a business surrounding how to get internet on the road without a traditional house. Tell me how your business um, started and has evolved since then. So we started blogging at Technomadia. We were both bloggers when we met personally, and we just started this blog randomly when we hit the road. And we're just sharing about our adventures and working remotely. And we started to notice people other than our parents were following yeah. along. <laughs> and and there, there were not a lot of other younger working on the road nomadic types back then, particularly sharing on early social media. And we were really early on YouTube. And so many people kept asking us, well, how do you do this? How are you doing internet? How are you getting connected to work? And eventually at one point, she's like, I'm just going to write it all down and wrote, write a write a book about it to try and get it out of my, uh, answer everybody's questions. And then we were still working full time. I was doing software development. We started getting into app development. We worked with the escapers and helped them uh, <clears throat> help the escapees launch escapers. And we launched our village. We did so, so many things. And um, through all of that, people said, well, why don't you like charge people to help them <laughs> like no one's gonna pay us to, to talk about to, verizon to tell them you know get verizon or get at&t or you know now starlink and sure enough um our followers were right <laughs> we were wrong and we did start through an indiegogo campaign back in 2014 a uh campaign to fund a starting a rewriting the book number one because apparently it, mobile internet changes very often and, and a book is a book a is a bad idea because every year it's completely different every month we could write yes. a new book <laughs> and uh 
So we started the Mobile Internet Resource Center, and it's all member-funded. Uh, we don't do uh, sponsorships. We're not paid advertising dollars, and we're not selling stuff. So instead, it's kind of like the consumer reports of mobile internet. So we are all independent. We can be unbiased. Yeah. We don't have allegiance to anybody, so except to our members and helping them find yeah. their right solution. And because our members fund us, we're able to give a huge amount of stuff away for free to our non-members just to help the community in general. So there's a lot of great stuff there as well. Cool. And I think what's so great about you guys is that you actually test so many of these products instead of just, you know, randomly reviewing them, you're actually using them, right? That's your process. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. So we're all, we have a team now. There's a total of eight of us that run the resource center and all of us are full-time or part-time or full-time travelers. And we depend on this uh, for our own social networking, for our entertainment. And of course we all have to be online to do our jobs. So we all depend on it. So we're all using a variety of the gear that we talk about and giving our members hands-on reports. And then in our community area, our members are able to share what's working for them, what's not working for them, what problems they're encountering. And we also, because we've, we've built up such a reputation of this is all the companies are able are now know us and they come to us with like hey this is what we're thinking of doing or here's the direction we're headed or here's the first prototype of something new so you can check it out so we end up with this kind of like two-way channel where we get kind of inside feedback from the companies and we can help steer them saying this is what the community really needs yeah that feature great. no that feature's not needed focus on this yeah. this is what people want yeah <laughs> I love that. That's so helpful to nomads everywhere to have like a liaison talking to these companies because I think they don't understand how we use internet. And I think that's really cool. <laughs> Sometimes they do not. <laughs> so there's so many options out there. It's overwhelming. I work remotely. Sometimes I don't know what to use. What's your, I know you probably have a lot of recommendations, but like where can somebody start with their internet um, research for, for van life? So we do have a getting started guide over the Mobile Art Resource Center. It's free, mobile, uh, rvmobileinternet.com slash getting hyphen started. I, there's an overview video there that goes over the basics of using Wi-Fi at like a campground or maybe a coffee shop that you might stop at to using your cell phone as a using a hotspot off of your cell phone or even surfing things on your, your thing, using a mobile hotspot device, going up to a more enterprise a cellular embedded router that you might be able to use other inputs from so maybe connecting it to a hotspot device as well and of course the one everyone's talking about is starling um so we personally use a combination of them all um we love having the flexibility and the redundancy because in any one location no one of those options is going to work best and and that one of the, the most important things for anybody getting started is really understanding what their needs are and their 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 tolerance for complexity because people who are geeks or who enjoy this sort of stuff can go completely to crazy town overkill having seven or eight connections going at once and actually i think we might have five going right now um but not everybody needs to go into super complex complex places depending on what their actual goals are. So understanding what you really need before diving in and throwing lots of money at it is very, right. very important. So the solution for someone who's working full-time and doing a lot of interactive video sessions like this is going to be very different. This requires a lot of bandwidth. It requires a redundant, reliable solution for us to not have dropouts and cutouts. But Someone who maybe for their job just needs to check email, maybe answer some things, and maybe draft a document or do some photo editing on their computer and then upload it in batches. That's a very different solution. Mm -hmm. Someone who just needs to do Netflix in the evening or Hulu in the evening is a very different solution than someone who is maybe going out into the middle of nowhere 
and needing to do very high bandwidth things. Yeah. So like, there's like, like people who are teaching video classes or who are doing telehealth and stuff. That's really critical. You can't have dropouts while you're in the middle of teaching a, a 400 person class where you're consulting somebody about their cancer treatment. So, you know, that that's very, very different than a lot of other people who are like, well, yeah, I have to do a Zoom once a week and I'm just passive. I'm watching it. I'm not the right. presenter. So it's very, very important <laughs> to start with understanding what your needs are. And if you go on YouTube or blogs or other things, you read about someone else's solution, take into mind what they need. And then take into account what you need. <laughs> That's, yeah, such good advice. And I'm wondering for people who do do a lot of video calls like this, how do you build that redundant system? Is that with that router that you showed a minute ago? Right. So, yeah, like um, PepWave in particular, their routers are very, very nice, but they're also kind of a nice, decent value. But they're, they're known for their speed fusion technology that lets you combine multiple connections together and treat them as one. So, you know, like Starlink is, is really wonderful, but if, if the satellite passes behind a tree, you will have a dropout. Or if it, there's you know, obstructions on the horizon, there will be frequent little dropouts. So having something that balances Starlink with cellular becomes very important. So having something that is using speed fusion to combine two or three or four connections suddenly ups your reliability a whole, whole lot. So right now we are broadcasting over Starlink, as well as Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, and we're also using Dish Network, which is the newest fourth carrier. Yes. We're bringing it all together on a PepLink router that has them all bonded together. So if any one of those has a dropout during this call, the others are right there to take over. So it should be seamless. That's incredible. And you guys do have some of the best internet of any of these interviews I've done. And that is why. <laughs> so that's fantastic. So yeah, I a lot of people know about or have heard of Starlink. I do want to talk about that. But you just mentioned Dish, which I'm unaware of. What are they doing now that they're probably freaking out over Starlink? So what are they doing? <laughs> well, well, and actually, I mean, the cellular carriers aren't super freaking out over Starlink because they're, they're really complementary technologies in a lot of ways. Um, so Starlink is great when you're out in the middle of nowhere away from major towns and cities. Right now they have capacity issues. One satellite going overhead could only serve so many people at a time. So when you get to a place that's a metro area, areas or a, or a, a desert there's a lot of people wanting to boondock with Starlink. Um, Starlink is actually getting a reputation in some places as being really awful because people who have the Starlink RV plan, that is the lowest priority um, service that Starlink has, and they're kind of fighting over the scraps and they're getting really, really dismal performance. And they're coming back to us and saying, I need something better. And like, well, is there is there cellular in your area? And it's like, yeah, there is. Well, how about a 5G plan? And they're like, oh, that's 20 times faster than my Starlink all of a sudden. So right. you have to... So the, so the cellular carriers, especially with 5G, are focused on these more congested markets and getting that capacity up so that they can start to serve the needs of home internet use. All of the carriers now have home internet plans. Very popular is the you know, T-Mobile home internet, Verizon home internet in particular, because they're rolling out capacity in areas that they have congested markets to be able to cover that for people streaming a lot and using terabytes of data. That's not something Starlink is able to do with their satellites right now. As their constellation builds out, it'll get there. So that's where they complement each other is Starlink is great when you're out in an area that's remote. 
cellular is great when you're in a more congested suburban suburban area. And you also have to consider trees. Starlink does not like trees. (laughs) So if you're somewhere like we traveled this summer all up and down the East Coast to Canada, from Florida to Canada, we pulled out Starlink was only four times in which it was better than our cellular connection. And a lot of times Starlink didn't work very well either. Massive dropout. Because, yeah, and we hear that all the time from people is... um, you know, people on the West Coast, Starlink has been a game changer for them. There's the best thing since sliced bread. And people on the East Coast, you get Starlink, they're like, I'm sending it back. It's garbage. I, you know, none of the campgrounds I take it to does it work because East Coast campgrounds are trees and you're sh- you're camping in the shade. West Coast, desert, and you're camping with big view of the sky. So it makes a difference there. <laughs> now, you t- I asked about DISH. Um, so uh, about, uh, so we all know Sprint went away over the summer. They were merged in with T-Mobile. And part of that merger agreement with the FCC was that a fourth carrier had to emerge out of all of this. So Dish Wireless uh, was able to work with T-Mobile through this merger process. And they acquired some of Sprint's spe- spectrum to roll out their own 5G native network. They had a timeline of last June that they had to be able to serve a certain percentage of the country in order to meet the terms of that merger agreement. So they did launch their network. It's in about 120 cities right now. It is 5G only. You can purchase a mobile hotspot device from them. It's about three or $400 if you're in one of these cities. And you can get a $20 per month unlimited plan. It's like best deal out there. Okay. Now that will work. By terms of service, it will work in those 120 cities where you have DISH wireless coverage. coverage. Right now, they are roaming onto AT&T and T-Mobile when you're outside those areas. And as of this recording, could change at any moment. They have no restrictions on that roaming access. So we're getting AT&T and T-Mobile unlimited service for $20 a month through this plan. It's a great option. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it is. Again, because we know behind the scenes, DISH is paying... You know, AT&T, like $2 a gigabyte. It's so this $20 a... plan, they're losing crazy amounts of money for people roaming, but they're just trying to, you know, kind of launch and spread out their footprint while they're building their own nationwide network. And one thing a lot of people don't realize is they see all these different carrier, you know, things advertised that you know, all these different names beyond just AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and now Dish. Those are the only four nationwide carriers in the country. They're the only ones who have broadcast rights over the entire country. Everything else you hear is either regional and just small areas, or they're buying capacity and rebranding it from those other big four. So they're just all behind the scenes still using those big four. Wow. I did not know that. I'm so glad you told me about that dish deal. It seems like a lot of people are going to go for that. <laughs> Again, no, that could all change. change. They are paying a dollar to $1.50 per gigabyte for that roaming access. That is not a sustainable business model. <laughs> totally. But I wonder if when they come around, if it'll be cheaper than some of the other options still. I guess we'll wait and yeah. see. Yeah, definitely wait and see. Dish is definitely interesting to watch right now. Uh, they'll also be coming out with other brands. I think they're going to be taking Boost Infinite Boost Mobile as their new brand, which was one of which was one of Sprint's old prepaid brands. So we're watching them very close. A lot of potential to become. They're still very rough. They're still very new, but they're also you know it's a very good deal, and it's definitely a very very good deal right now. Oh, so cool! And so, what if someone just wants to use their phone as a hotspot? What are some carriers out there that you recommend for for that? So the best plan right now for a smartphone only is Visible. Uh, this is owned by Verizon. It is a subsidiary of Verizon. It's a prepaid plan. They have a $30 per month option and a $45 per month option. 
Both of those plans include unlimited hotspot data. That means you can set up your own Wi-Fi network off of your smartphone and use like connect your laptop, you can connect your streaming devices to this, to your smartphone. It's unlimited hotspot data off of your phone. It is capped at five megabit per second speed. So you're not going to get 4K video out of this, but five megabit per second is plenty for most things on the web. Mm-hmm. And that is the best deal right now yeah. for those going for yeah. wanting and, and smartphones. And it does give you access to Verizon's network. Um, so it gives you really great network everywhere, but it is the lowest priority user on Verizon's network. So um, you know, people run into that in, again, congested areas. Visible customers will have a very dismal data experience, whereas like regular native Verizon customers will be streaming along or doing everything just fine. So you do have to like balance the trade-offs, but it is a very good deal. But then all of the carriers have postpaid plans that you can get for your smartphone. And they're all offering options from 40 gigabytes to 100 gigabytes of mobile hotspot data off of the smartphone at full speed, as well as, you know, all the unlimited data you can use on your hotspot, on your phone itself. So definitely worth looking at those if you need the priority data and yeah we keep the the plans all the time are changing so much so we do have a guy that is kept up i think we updated almost every week on what the current most interesting plan options are for whether it's for a hotspot or a phone or anything else if you people who need a lot of data Mm -hmm. that's at uh um rv mobile internet.com slash plan picks and if you go to the front page of our website it's it's linked right there (laughs) for that that page because that one changes a lot Oh, what a fantastic resource. I was very curious about Visible because I hear about it. And you said the speed was a certain speed. I don't really know, but can you? what can you do with that speed um, on a hotspot? So five megabit per second is the maximum speed you'll get when you're using the mobile hotspot off your smartphone. Um, five megabit per second is plenty for surfing the web. Uh, you're going to be able to load web pages, just lickety split. You're going to be able to uh, stream YouTube videos. It's supposed to cap the streaming at like 480 pixels, which is like DVD quality speeds. Most people, because streaming services have done great compression to be able to deliver their videos over slower speeds, a lot of people report that they're getting higher resolution over over it. Um, you're going to be able to do, you know, most if you need to do a broadcast like this, um, five megabit per second is usually enough to do a okay an okay video stream. I wouldn't host a video. I wouldn't be a presenter. I wouldn't host a webinar using Visible. But if you just need to participate in one, even if you can turn your video off, it's going to be just fine for that sort of stuff. Very cool. And so what are the benefits of having like a dedicated hotspot instead of just hotspotting off your phone? So... So, so a dedicated hotspot like this, well, for one, it's, it's separate from your phone. So your phone can still be doing its phone things. Your phone tends to fall asleep. If you're using your phone as a hotspot, um, if you don't use it for a long enough time, it will fall asleep. A hotspot, a dedicated hotspot like this can just be set, turned on, it's going, um, and it is just making a Wi-Fi network that you can connect whatever devices you want to. to. And the, some of them, a lot of them actually now have Ethernet ports. So if you've got things that have want to take advantage of a wired connection, they could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like it could plug right plug into, into a router, router yeah. even a home router. It doesn't even have to be a special mobile router. So it gives you a lot of flexibility there. They tend to perform pretty well um, compared to a phone because they're bigger. They have bigger physical antennas inside of them. Some of the hotspots, actually, this one does, has little antenna ports. So you can even hook up an outside external antenna or one that will suction cup into the window of your van. So that's actually very popular. Mm-hmm. The Netgear's uh, a little Mimo antenna mm-hmm. that can hook up to this. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, is smartphones aren't designed for full-time hotspot usage. Mm-hmm. Um they can run down the batteries pretty quickly. Um, 
what happens if if he if we're using this as our hotspot here and I decide to go for a walk? Well, he's <laughs> just lost his internet. Yeah. So that's one consideration. But so if you need a lot of data usage, it's usually better to go with a dedicated hotspot device or a cellular embedded yeah. router. Or multiple people are using it too. Right. So a phone can work really well for just one person because you're mm-hmm. in control of it and stuff. And then the upping the game to a cellular embedded router is kind of like a hotspot on steroids. It's got the, all the, the cellular antennas and stuff here. It's got Ethernet and it's got Wi-Fi as WAN so it can connect to an upstream campground or um, you know a remote Wi-Fi network. And the nice thing about a cellular connected router is that you connect, have all your devices just connect to the router, and then you tell the router what upstream connections you want to do. So if you've got a lot of Wi-Fi things in your in your household, in your van or whatnot, um, some people we know have even their light bulbs are on Wi-Fi and stuff. You don't want to keep having to change how they're connected. You just tell them all, go to the router, tell the router how to connect. The router might be connecting to this. It might be using its own cellular connection. It might be using Ethernet to Starlink. And then this is just kind of like your central conductor hub. Hmm. Wow, that's all so interesting. I love it because some people write to me and they're like, I am required to be an Ethernet for my job or they won't let me work remotely. So (laughs) that would help solve their problem. It can. You need to really understand what the employer is meaning by a wired connection. Some of them are very specific. No, you cannot use cellular. You cannot use satellite. You cannot use Wi-Fi as your connection. You need to be a hardwired cable or DSL connection. Some, they just want the computer not connected to Wi-Fi. And that is fine because then you can just run an Ethernet cable out of your hotspot device or your router and you've solved that. And then they don't care what is actually providing the internet connection right. to the router. Um, so, And it could sometimes be just a don't ask, don't tell thing. It's like, oh yeah, I've got an ethernet cable and it's <laughs> upstream. It still might be mm-hmm. Wi-Fi or cellular, but there's an ethernet cable. <laughs> <laughs> what are the benefits of actually plugging into that in, in the router instead of just using the, the Wi-Fi? Uh, so Wi-Fi is a wireless technology and it's short range. And there's a lot of of Wi-Fi noise around it, an unregulated uh, spectrum. So when you're in a campground, especially, you might have a lot of people that have a lot of Wi-Fi devices. They have a router, you have their campground's Wi-Fi network and things like that. If you ever click on the little Wi-Fi icon and pull scan for networks and you see it goes like an entire page of different Wi-Fi networks there, that's like a crowded bar and all those people are talking at the same time. And it's really hard to communicate when you've got 50 networks all sharing the same basically the same room. So what that means is your device, maybe your laptop and your router or hotspot device are having a hard time negotiating a conversation. And that can result in slower speeds. It can result in dropouts. Um, So having an ethernet cable between your device and your router or your internet source gets around that. So it's the fastest connection that you're going to get. And you're going to be able to optimize whatever that backhaul is for your internet connection. Cool. And before you guys brought up something super interesting that people don't think about is where you put your hotspot or your phone in your van to get the best signal. If you could tell me a little about that. Vans are made of metal. Metal yes. and signal does not go hand in hand. Yes. Unlike our other RVing friends, or we're in a boat that's made of fiberglass. Vans are made of metal. They block signal, which means you want, if you don't have external antennas hooked up to your devices, have your smartphone, have your hotspot device near windows. You know, get them in the front dashboard, get them on the side mirror. Don't melt them though. Don't melt them. Don't <laughs> put them in the sun. That's bad too. But what we do is we keep a soap dish, a oh. little suction cup soap dish 
that you can you know buy in the department store, like go to Target, go to Amazon. And we put that in the window and we set our smartphone or our hotspot device in the window to keep it as unobstructed as possible. And it, you can do your own little speed test of just, it can be amazing the difference of sitting on the van's table with something that's just below the metal line versus just two feet away, but sitting in the window, it can be a 10x difference in performance um, if you just run the speed test apps. But the best reason for going with a router, these are the antenna ports on here. You can get antennas that you put on the roof and you just screw into here. That gets around the issue all the time. You don't have to worry about what but what <laughs> direction you're parked in. You always have an antenna on the roof of the van, outside of all that metal box, and then you're getting the best signal inside your your van. Very cool. And speaking of antennas, what's your opinion about the the WeBoost system? Oh, cell boosters. Yeah. Yes. So WeBoost is not an antenna. So you wouldn't, you can use it, but it's not the type that you would plug into a router. A, a WeBoost or other cellular booster setup is basically taking a single antenna. You notice that this one has, well, one of them is Wi-Fi. One is some yeah, GPS. Four of those are cellular antennas. So this one single modem has four antennas that feed it. It's working off a technology called MIMO that's multiple in, multiple out. Basically, it means it has four ears. And when you Got to experiment. Listen to some music right now or turn on this this uh, podcast. <laughs> Cover one ear. What happens? Yes. Your sound in your brain is only hearing yes, yes. one signal. You unplug your ear, you're hearing with two ears. Same thing happens with signals. And a cellular booster, what's happening is it's taking one voice. So basically you're plugging your ear and you're putting a megaphone into the other ear. It's, Which is also broad. It's rebroadcasting any other sound that's around, so any other noise. Um, sometimes, if you're a very far away from the cellular tower, that amplification can actually be your best option. It's great also for upload capacity. Mag, mag, megaphoning you back to the tower. Right, because the, the transmitter in a small device like a smartphone isn't nearly as strong as what's on cellular tower transmitting back. So, so putting a megaphone back is yeah. great. So it can really help with upload speeds. If you're doing a broadcast, have large upload files, a cellular booster can help with that. Yeah, but the real core thing is like a cellular booster is just one funnel. It's one antenna, one amplifier, one everything like that. And they were useful back in the old 2G and early 3G days. But now um, the, all 4G devices and, and 5G devices use either two or four antennas. All 5G devices are four antennas. So you turn on a cell booster and you're forcing all the signal through that one single antenna. The, the 5G devices are basically being hobbled. They'll be running at a much slower speed. So the cell booster might help you make a voice phone call. They might help you get a little lick of signal in a remote area. But Oftentimes, for data, if data is your focus, a cell booster will actually slow you down when you turn it on. So, number one tip for cell boosters could be useful to have in your van. Never leave it on all the time. It's a use it only when you need it kind of thing because it's actually hurting you more most of the time unless you really, really need it. We used to say eighty percent of the time having external antenna directly attached to your router or your hotspot device is going to give you the best cellular performance. Um, over a booster. Now I'd say 90% of the time as 5G has come on. There are some cases we'll get to a campground really remote. The antennas alone are not doing enough. We turn on the cell booster and we can get enough signal out of that one single uh, antenna coming through to get online and check what we need to do or no one else around us can get online. Um, so there are times when it we makes sense. We keep one in our to toy box. We keep one around, but we don't. They are, you know, they're a $500 investment. So you have to really consider 
is it worth $500 that you might use it once or twice a year? Yep. Yeah, so true. And and so with the antenna, you just do you drill a hole in your van's roof or how do you use that antenna? It, well, it depends on, yeah, you need some way to get the the, the, the wires from the outside to the inside. Um, some some vans have kind of a access point or access port that you can come into. Actually, our, the, our the Toronto's have, a, have a, a roof access port. So there's already a hole pre-drilled that you can fish cables down into. Um, some people use the fridge vents or the sore vents, or it's not too big of a deal to to drill a hole. Just, you know, make sure you. And then some people, since something like a cellular booster, you're only going to be using every so often is some people is like, oh, I need it here. They just run it out the window. Yeah. And you know, just magnet antennas and stuff. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. temporary antennas. Cool. So many solutions for people. I just love that. <laughs> Great. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything uh, we missed in this? I ran out of questions, but if there's something we missed, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> so we probably should start talk about Starlink. I bet yeah. a lot of people are, are curious about Starlink. There's, there's and the new Starlink in motion version. Now. Right. So there's two Starlink dishes that are out right now. You've got the original one, which is the one that sits on the stand that you see a lot of people, maybe they put it on a pole. Um, that's the Standard, standard, they call it standard now. Um, that one you can get with two different data plans. You can get it with the residential plan, which is meant for a fixed location, and then you can add portability to it. And you can move your address around as you travel. That one gets you priority access when you're at your residential address or your service address. When you're not at your service address, you get what they call uh, basic service. Um, and that is the same service if you go direct with the RV plan. Um, that one is always the basic service. These are both plans that are $135 per month. They now have a new dish, which is an in-motion dish. It's one that you fix to the top of your roof. You can use it while you're driving around. It has no moving parts, but it's physically much bigger. So, so um, it can see more satellites while you're in motion. Now, the uh, standard dish, the original one is $599. The new uh, dish, the flat mount, flat high performance. Yeah. Uh, the the in motion one is twenty five hundred dollars. That's a big price jump. <laughs> so yeah. Starlink is you know they've got a beautiful photo of a van with the Starlink dish on it. We've put it on our van. We've mm -hmm. tested it in our van in motion. It's great. But the only the biggest problem, well, there's several problems <laughs> with that high performance dish, is number one, the only plan you can get with it is the RV plan, which gives you no priority access. So you're always going to be deprioritized over. So in congested markets, you're going to get much slower speeds. We saw that with our residential dish versus the high-performance dish. We're going to get slower speeds. And another catch of it is because you, if you typically would permanently mount it on the on the top of a van. It doesn't really design to be moved around. Um, it's, again, very subject to where you park and the trees around it and stuff. Because even though it is, it can see a broader view of the sky, it's still, you know, it can't see through trees. It can't see through obstructions. Whereas the Starlink standard comes with a, a, a 75-foot cable and... Um, you can get even a longer 150 foot cable and you can uncoil that and put the little, you know, the little tripod stand way out in the far side of your campground and uh, where it can have a better view of the sky. Or, or hoist it up a pole. We keep yeah. a pole in our van to hoist yeah. it up. Um, so that's the, much more flexible, but it's not really designed for in motion. Use. And then the, the other issue with both of them is power usage. <laughs> um, the standard dish, the smaller one, that one's going to burn about 40 to 60 watts. A power. There's a lot for a lot. That mean, solar powers that you have in a fan. Refrigerator size use. <laughs> the the large in motion dish, that one's going to burn more like 80 to 110 watts of power. So it's a power hog. So if you're trying to boondock, you're going to need a pretty large battery capacity without having to run a generator to keep and, it going. And or you just to be really disciplined about to turn off the Starlink when you don't need it. And so 
we made that mistake the other night. We're we're currently anchored, so basically, <laughs> it's the equivalent of boondocking for RVers in our boat. The other night, we totally forgot. We had a glass or two of wine in the evening, <laughs> and we totally forgot to turn down Starlink overnight. And we woke up in the morning to the low battery alarm. Low battery alarm, and we have a massive lithium battery. We have solar on this boat. Yeah, but it was a cloudy day. We hadn't charged up, and it was like. Oh, darn. Yeah, we forgot to turn off Starlink and, and then... drained our battery. Okay. <laughs> no one was using it overnight. I mean, I'm pretty sure our cat was not streaming YouTube videos so overnight def- watching it's, it. It's so. definitely a consideration. It uses a lot more power than cellular. So it's, again, one of those reasons where it, it, it's a great thing. We love having Starlink. We use it all the time, but it is not the be all end all. We still use our cellular and have all these other things and just combine them in good ways. Yeah, I wanted to ask, do you think it's maybe not quite the right time to to purchase that high, you know, in motion, very expensive dish uh, until they get it on the residential or other faster plans? I, I, <laughs> I personally would love to see them offer an ability for anyone on an RV plan or in motion, a mobile plan to be able to purchase or upgrade to priority data when it's available in the area they're and, at. And this is SpaceX we're talking about. So things change um, at by... Uh, at a moment's notice, sometimes at a tweet's notice. So, um, the the anything to do with Starlink and SpaceX, check our latest guide. We've got keep it up to date at uh, mobileinternetinfo.com/starlink, and you can go over there and so because this stuff is changing very frequently, and the plans might be different, the hardware might be different, the other things can be changing around by the time this airs. So, keep yeah, keep close. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys keep such a, a close eye on all this stuff for us. It's very helpful. And you have your your um, website and your YouTube channel where you track all these changes. So that's yeah, fantastic. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, great. I don't, I don't know if there's any more about Starlink that you guys have not covered yet. That was a great overview. But yeah, <laughs> um, let me see what else. Yeah, anything else that we should talk about? No, it's it's an exciting time for 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 connectivity. I mean, between five G networks are starting to get really interesting and good. There's far, we're starting to see you know, more generous data plans. There's it's unlimited, fully good unlimited is still a little hard to come by in some ways. Um, but between that and satellite, and there's some new stuff on the horizon. It's a good time to stay. It's connected. a great time to stay connected. And I know something that um, those attending the summit will probably have questions about is third party resellers. You oh, probably yes. see a lot of advertising for companies like Nomad Internet, Mobile Must Have has them. We work with Mobile Must Have with the gear. Um, uh, there's Bix Wireless and all these other third-party resellers. And basically, these are companies that have somehow acquired data plans from the carriers. Um, sometimes they are legit or more legit than others. And sometimes they are not. They might be like tablet plans in the background that they're using. Or they they found a way to get a plan to work on the carriers. And our general advice for these plans is they are great. They, until they're not. They work until they don't. Um, we have never seen one of these plans last for much Ever. more than a couple of years, sometimes sometimes a month. Uh, the carriers usually will shut them down. Regardless of how legit or non-legit they are, the reseller is not in control. The carrier is. And the carrier is the one who can say, oh, I am no longer honoring this plan. And they shut it down sometimes without warning. We're also seeing, especially with AT&T, um, when yes. they shut down one of these resellers is they are getting more and more aggressive about not only just shutting off the plan, 
but they are now blacklisting the devices from their network, which means that even if you go to AT&T and buy a legit plan directly with them, it won't on, work anymore. They will not activate, so the, you, activate the SIM yeah, card. Yeah, so you've got a $1,000 router that you were using a, basically a reseller plan that's equivalent of like buying something semi-legit at a flea market. AT&T will now say, well, no, we won't let you use your device on our network anymore because we caught you with that semi-legit. Uh, device. Which is, we think it's, <laughs> it's really, really bad really practice on AT&T because you as a consumer, you went to a website that said this was a legit plan. You did not know. You have no reason to right. believe that it's non-legit. It's the reseller that needs to be, who, they should have, you know, yeah. it's between them and the carrier, not you as the consumer, which is to me, really bad I, business practice. Yes. It's, yeah, but it, but it is that is something to keep in mind if you are buying kind of these like flea market plans, particularly if it seems too good to be true. There are some that are ridiculously cheap. cheap and because behind the scenes the the reseller is basically taking tablet plans and changing serial numbers and like doing some kind of shady stuff sometimes on these plans and well yeah they get caught eventually so yeah the, the if it seems too good to be true definitely have your backup plans in mind <laughs> that's a good point so to be more legitimate people should actually go to one of the main carriers it sounds like all all of the carriers are offering plans now in the 100 150 gigabyte yeah. range that can be used on routers and hotspot devices and if you get enough of those along with starlink or you know something mm. like that you can assemble enough data most households we also get how much data do i need a month if you're streaming some a few nights a week you're doing some zoom calls most households if they keep their data usage to a reasonable level can be perfectly happy in the two to 400 gigabyte per month range. Now, you've got a heavy gamer, someone who's bit twarding or something like that. That's when you get into the terabytes and that's when it gets more difficult. Yes. But most of us are pretty darn happy in that, in the um, 500 gigabyte below range. And it's pretty easy these days to get that data legit. Right. You're going to pay, you're going to pay money. You're not going to get this cheap. Yeah. Unless, you know, that but, dish plan at $20 a month is yeah, awesome. Yeah. But, yeah. And again, like, and the dish is a legitimate plan. It's just yeah. that they might take away their roaming to AT&T at some point. Right. But, but yeah. there are ways to get it. And that's what we're, go check our top pick data plans. Right. There are options out there to assemble your, your setup and you just need to pay attention attention to what data plans work on what types of devices. Some are like set to a specific device. You have to use the device the carrier sends you or the reseller sends you. Some can be used in any device you want. Um, so you need to just pay attention to that. You know, Before you go buy your hardware, look at what data plans are available yeah. for the hardware you want to use. Yeah. <laughs> that is very interesting. And just real quick, talking about third-party resellers, what are some of those main ones that you guys have seen out there um, that are advertising currently? I try not to pay attention to them <laughs> so too much. We, we do keep a list. If you go to rvmobileinternet.com, third party, three RD party. We do keep a list. Our team updates that once a month. They go through and double check that they're still in business. So, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that changes. That's the only those. thing we, we promise is once a month, we have checked that vendors in business. No way means that they're legit. In any yeah. shape, way, and, 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 but and, and and because the, because some of these deals are really good. It's like if you are going with one of these third parties, it's like great. Use get the third party one, which gives you a really cheap plan with a lot of data. But have your backup plan mm -hmm. with a legit one, so that if that disappears and it's just gone one day, and but, the company suddenly shuts shuts their doors, you've got something some other way online. But some of the ones you know that are do do really good diligence and they have good customer support if something goes wrong. Um, mobile must have, they sell PepLink gear. They do sell data plans for their 
customers. And we have seen those plans go away, but they they deal with it well and get their customers. It's like, here's a new SIM card. You're back online. Um, The FMCA, the Family Motor Coach Association, they have a uh, plan with AT&T. It is capped at 10 megabit per second or 25 megabit per second. You have to be a member of them and have like two years of membership, but you can get a plan for like 60 bucks a month with them, which... They also have a good track record of treating their members well. So if AT&T pulls the plan, at least you know the FMCA is going to do everything they can to have your back. Um, Give no, you an alternative yeah. on their side. Yeah, I mean, it's out of their control if AT&T pulls, pulls the plan on them. But um, And then there's there's a whole bunch of others out there that have been around for years. The Nomad Institute. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Calix Institute is one we like. They're a nonprofit, and they actually have a legit um, agreement. Old, old contract, yeah. It was part of Sprint. It got inherited by T-Mobile and it's for nonprofits and they can included with a membership to their organization, you get an unlimited hotspot on T-Mobile's network. Uh, you have to use it on their device that you buy with it, but you get an, un- and it comes out to about 40 bucks a month, uh, but you have to prepay for a year of membership. Because right, you're making a donation to the nonprofit and as a perk, you're getting a hotspot with a year's worth of unlimited data. So it's kind of a loophole there, but it is a you know, a legit old contract that goes way, way back. That is, uh, as, and they've stuck around forever. Sounds like there's a lot of options at a lot of price <laughs> points for people, which is really oh, yeah. good. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Some people are shocked and they're like, you spend that much on the internet? Cause I have, you know, <laughs> on a hotspot and the Starlink. And I'm like, well, yeah, I have to work. And luckily our other expenses are lower. So it all rounds yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the price of freedom. If you want to be able to still earn an income, um, it, it is, it is one of the costs. Um, and it is something that's always changing. Um, that's why after eight years of tracking this, we've still, still, have- so we're still working <laughs> is because these options are changing all the time. The technology is advancing, um, you know, the options that are available today, they'll all change in a month or two. And, you know, that's why we're here. We're tracking them. We do have a free newsletter that you can sign up for. You get monthly updates on everything we've covered. Check our YouTube channel out, the Mobile Internet Resource Center. We put out a video for most of our news stories there. If you prefer video to to writing, all of our news articles are always free for everyone to read. Our members then get more in-depth educational guide. They get advanced alerts if we get a heads up that something's going away. This plan is about to go away. Get it now. Like We're we're tracking one of our topic plans. It's going away this evening, actually. Uh, And our members have had about two weeks of notice on it. so, but we don't, you know, we don't cover things until they're confirmed in public. Um, but our members do get alerts when we get tips. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we they get also interactive guidance. So if people have questions about their own setup and want guidance and advice from our team about what they should do, uh, that's what we do in our member forums. In fact, this evening we're doing we a do member, member webinar. webinar. Yep. We do webinars with our members, do Q and active interactive Q and A. Fantastic! You guys are definitely the go tos for anything mobile internet, <laughs> and you have a great website and a YouTube channel. So hopefully, people will go there and learn all they can because <laughs> it's freedom, like you said. Like there's nothing better. The price is freedom. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the the summit. I'm sure people will find this very helpful. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wayward Home Podcast. Like Chris and Cherie said in this interview, things always are changing. So it's best to just go check out their website, the RV Mobile Internet Resource Center, for the latest updates. So right now, I'm using Visible, which is a phone service that offers unlimited data, talk, and text, even in Mexico. And so far, I've had really good luck with this service. You can choose between a $30 per month plan and a $45 per month plan, which is the one I'm using right now as it does offer that service 
in Mexico where we have our sailboat. You can check out Visible at thewaywardhome.com forward slash visible. I'll see you next time on the Wayward Home Podcast.